0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: On the last episode of Journey, my body is doing its best to drag in huge breaths, but my limbs just have nothing, no power, every step is slow and laboured, it's one foot in front of the other. Standing on the precipice of this moraine ridge, below us and extending into the distance in either direction, is what can only be described as the surface of another planet, except this planet is a barren, harsh, rocky nightmare. From Brevity Studios in New Zealand, I'm Ryan Wolfe, and this is Journey. Before we start this episode, I'd like to advise you that there is now a Facebook group for this podcast. It's a place for people to discuss the podcast and share their own stories and plans for adventure. I've already shared some photos from this trek and will continue to add more. You'll find this group by searching Journey Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. I look forward to seeing you there. And I'd also like to quickly thank everyone that's contributed to purchase a New Phone. We've already raised over 1,200 New Zealand dollars in the first few days, so it looks like his photo quality is about to get a pretty major upgrade. You've all been incredibly generous, and every contribution is amazing, but some have really gone above and beyond. I have to say a massive thanks to Jacob and the team at Meteor Street Media. Wow. Nidazhan is completely blown away and overwhelmed by all the support he's getting from all of you. And he's been getting inquiries from you about booking treks, which is awesome, and he's so pumped and incredibly grateful. Remember, you're going to get to hear from him personally when I speak to him in an upcoming episode. Right now, while I'm in my office writing this, he's somewhere on the incredible Annapurna base camp trek. Lucky for some. I just thought I'd say a quick thank you from me and from him. Now let's jump back into the story where I have yet another night from hell. The careful creak of the first footsteps down the hallway tells me that morning has finally arrived. It's been another night from hell. It feels strange and horrible. Sitting on the edge of my bed, putting on my boots for the day, when I haven't had a wink of sleep. But at this point, there's nothing for it, but to just suck it up, and soldier on. Watching others blissfully sip their morning coffee, and chow down on a warm breakfast, fills me with a selfish jealousy. I manage to force down a few mouthfuls, but it's water for me. And lots of it. On the positive side, I'm not getting any worse. I seem to have just hit a solid level of feeling like shit and found my happy place there. But there's one thing I'm not going to do, and that's to let feeling crap ruin my experience. I'm determined to grit my teeth and enjoy every moment. The settlement of Thang Nang is located in a narrow valley between two peaks. We're making an early start today. As we step outside, the sun is only touching far distant peaks and it's proper cold. As I've mentioned before, I seem to deal with the cold pretty well. But for everyone else, it's warming packs and gloves on. In many ways, the trek has been building to this day which is supposed to be the hardest of the trek. Our planned path is an approximate 15 kilometres to the next stop in Zhongla. But to get there, we have to cross the infamous Chola Pass at 5,420 metres elevation. I'm super excited to see it firsthand. But at the same time, I'm secretly worried about how my body is going to hold up. I haven't done any serious climbing since Gokyo-ri and if it's a repeat performance of that will I even make it over the pass? It's 6.30 when we make our way up the valley out of Thang Nang following a stream that is almost completely frozen. Aside from us there are only a few people leaving at this time and soon enough we pass their small group and we're on our own just us the trickle of the stream and the seemingly never ending incline of this valley within the first few minutes I'd realised that today was going to be extremely tough my pack feels double the weight And at this point, I'm really only surviving on sheer will to push through. The day is basically broken up into three sections. The first is an approximate two-hour steady climb to the top of this valley. The trail is easy footing, but the slope is grinding. We'll then climb the pass itself, and finally descend down the other side to Zhongla. The landscape in this valley is short alpine grass, littered with small rocks and boulders, and a frozen stream running down to Thang Nang below. After an hour, the sun begins to fill the valley, and the stream is starting to move with a bit more earnest. It always amazes me how life finds a way to survive in the harshest of environments and I stopped for a moment to film a pair of small squat birds as they cheerfully waddle through the rocks looking for their next meal. Seemingly completely at ease with me huffing and puffing only a few feet away. The valley seems to go on and on. Every rise only reveals more valley and another rise. By the time we finally reach that last stretch I'm already feeling destroyed when we step up onto the final crest the valley disappears and opens out into a simply incredible sight we're now staring across another huge open valley which runs perpendicular to the one we've just emerged from and across this vast red brown expanse littered with thousands of huge boulders as a seemingly impenetrable wall of mountain. Right, so
2: we've made it up stage stage one of the Chola Pass but we're not even really at the pass yet so apparently we need to go over there which doesn't really look possible so maybe that might be another option over there but either way
1: things are about to get pretty hairy I think yeah I'll be honest and say I'd done literally no research about this part of the trek. I really had no idea what to expect and my jaw almost literally hit the floor when I looked across and saw that distant wall of rock. When Nidazhan said we were going up that, I genuinely thought he was joking. I took that audio from video that I took at the time and I think you can tell from my voice that I'm shocked. From here, it looks insane and dangerous. But yet again, Nitazhan assures us that yes, this is the way. To the left of the pass, and further up the valley, between two peaks, we can see a glacier making its way up into the sky around the corner. At this point, I really feel like this looks like a better option. And apparently this is a route that can be taken. But it seems... not by us. As Nidazhan swings on his pack, and we follow him down the rocky slope and into the expanse beyond. The sheer scale of this place is difficult to fathom. Distance perception is hard, if not nigh on impossible. From above, we could see thousands of large rocks strewn through the valley, but as we now make our way through towards the pass, I realize these aren't rocks, they're boulders, and they're massive, as big as houses, and the distance across this valley is considerably further than it looked. Even though we haven't started the actual climb, the hard work has already begun. From the bottom of the valley looking up towards the wall of rock and ice, I can now just make out a couple tiny specks. People coming down the rock. From here, it's difficult to see exactly how But seeing them now, gives a real indication of how truly massive this pass is. It's difficult going now, as we hop on and around huge boulders, on the slow climb to the base of the pass. Remember the oxygen level is only about 50% here, and you can feel it. A couple young porters race by us, with huge loads on their backs proving beyond a doubt that, yes, this is the way. Finally, we reach the base of the pass itself. And what we find is a huge steep wall of almost solid rock. But amazingly, I can now see a small trail, no more than a couple feet wide, winding its way up and out of sight. Just getting to the base of the pass has been tough. It's been about three hours of steady uphill climbing all day. I haven't slept in three days, and I feel like shit. But I still can't help but admire the sheer beauty of this place. It really is something to behold. Turning and looking back, I can see the valley from which we've come and a distant mountain range and in all that vast expanse, one of the most beautiful things, no sign of human life. This is just our world in its naked, raw form, unspoiled and brilliant. Turning back, Nidazhan and Hanki have begun the slow, difficult climb to the top. It's not so much a trail here, but simply the path of least resistance up the rock. The first section is a slow toil up loose stone that has piled at the base of the mountain over the millennia, before eventually it takes a right turn, and we're literally edging our way along the cliff. I'm going to be honest here, this thing is gnarly, looking over the edge, it's clear that a slip and a fall here is not going to have a good outcome. Fortunately, at some point in the recent past, a steel rope has been attached to the rock with metal standards. And keeping a firm grip on this, we're able to pull ourselves up safely, foot by foot. It's extremely tough going but I've managed to find a bit of energy from somewhere and managed to pass a few others on the way up as they struggle with their own internal battles. Take 10 steps. Stop. Breathe. Take 10 more steps. This is the way. Slow and steady. Until eventually I see what looks to be the top, made clear now by Tibetan prayer flags blowing in the breeze. As I haul myself up over the crest, I find the nearest flat spot and throw myself down. I'm close enough that I can still turn my head and look back down the open valley. Hanky is a distance behind followed closely by the ever-watchful Nidazhan. And I'm grateful for the chance to take a break. I'm feeling pretty much empty. I'm now sitting at an altitude of 5,420 meters. That's almost 18,000 feet, which is 65 meters higher than Everest Base Camp. 1,696 meters higher than the highest mountain in Australasia. Mount Cook in New Zealand, six hundred and thirteen meters above Mount Blanc, the highest mountain in Europe, and only five hundred meters short of the highest peak in Canada, Mount Logan. And I can tell you that fifty percent less air, yeah, you notice it. Especially when you've got altitude sickness. When Hanky finally appears over the top, Nidijan asks me how I am. I say that I'm okay he looks at me for a moment like someone trying to read a book through the cover you don't mind if I do an O2 test yeah no problem he pulls out the little white digital device which looks a lot like a clothes peg and attaches it on my finger he sits watching it for a minute looks at me so you feel okay again I'm fine One more long look. Okay then, we'll have a short break here and continue. We're sitting on a rocky ledge, and on our right side, the drop down Chola Pass, hundreds of meters to the valley below, and on our left, the path we're about to follow, down between two peaks and over the Chola Glacier. This will be the only section of the trek that will require any technical equipment. And for this, we've bought crampons, which are steel spikes to ensure grip on ice. We strap these onto our boots and slowly begin edging our way down towards the snow and ice. Our spikes making a satisfying crunch as each foot is carefully placed. While it's certainly not an overly dangerous spot, on thick, hard ice and rock like this, just a simple misstep would see a fall that might result in a sprained or broken ankle. So I'm taking extra care to make sure every step is accurate. The glacier itself is not overly wide, probably only around 200 metres, and it's just an easy walk along soft snow. However, I can't help but notice the huge serac of ice and snow hanging above. At some point, that thing is going to fall, and I wouldn't want to be here when it does. As we follow the glacier down and round out of sight, until it eventually stops quite abruptly. We find ourselves now navigating a steep section of loose red rock. It's around this time Nidazhan bends down and picks up a phone. Someone's going to be upset when they realise they've lost their only connection to the outside world. Only a few days ago we spoke to a group who had lost a member in this exact spot to a broken collarbone after taking a fall so we're being extra cautious as we hop from one loose rock to another down the narrow canyon. Then suddenly and quite dramatically, it opens to what has to be one of the most stunningly beautiful sights I've ever seen. What was before a narrow canyon has now stretched out into a vast valley flanked on all sides by jagged snow-covered peaks, some touching 6,000 meters and beyond. Making my first steps into this place, I was really quite overwhelmed by the beauty and sheer isolation. Again, looking ahead, just no sign of any human activity. And it's just such a rare thing to see. Now I truly understand why they call Nepal heaven on earth. I literally feel like I've stepped into one of those National Geographic pictures I poured over as a child The slope is gently downhill now And we walk with space between us in silence. Just in awe. I'm going to share some video of this on my Instagram and the journey discussion group. So make sure you check it out. Soon, we see a tall young guy on his own coming back quickly in our direction. He looks at us. It's a long shot, but you guys didn't happen to... See a phone? Yep. Holy shit, thank you. He cannot believe his eyes. What are the odds we'd randomly find it in all that rock? Saving him hours, if he ever found it at all. Sometimes you need a little bit of luck. From here, we just follow the trail as it winds down the valley to our next overnight stop in Zhongla, at 4,800 metres elevation. But even despite all the crushing beauty of this place, I'm still feeling exhausted. And after an hour or so, I can tell Hanky is too. We're both eagerly hoping the next turn will reveal that familiar huddle of stone buildings. And even when it does, that final few hundred metres still looks a long way. The settlement of Zhongla is again only about five or six stone buildings, sitting on the top of a gentle hill in the valley. On all sides, the usual snow-capped mountains, but in particular, this village sits directly in the shadow of the famous and popular climbing peak Cholatse, which towers above at 6,440 meters. And that's something else I want to quickly mention, Everest is not the only peak people climb in this region, far from it. While Everest gets all the press, there are far more beautiful and technically challenging peaks throughout the area and at all different grades. Cholatse, for example, is considered a challenging peak but a good stepping stone. Then there's the very popular 6,100-metre island peak which is considered by many to be the gateway for those looking to transition from trekking to mountain climbing. And then of course, one of the most picturesque and famous mountains in the world, Ama Dablam, at 6,812 metres, which we'll be seeing tomorrow. There really is something for everyone. But let me assure you, none of these peaks, none are easy beats. Due to the altitude, just getting to base camp is a challenge. But for those willing to take any of these on, the reward will be nothing short of life-changing. Walking into Zhongla for me right now feels like I'm walking into a fairy tale. On the one hand, the longest day is complete, and we can rest. But on the other, it's just so damn beautiful. I'm literally shaking my head that places like this even exist. Our rooms are in an outside block, and in this place even feature a western toilet with a water bucket to flush. This is true luxury.
0: Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select Lab-Grown Diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com
1: As we started early today, the sun is still up and beating down into my room and I beeline it for that warm soft bed after a couple hours Nidazhan pops over to check on me and let me know it's time to order dinner so I pop over to the main lodge where the fire is roaring and a few others have taken up spots while they wait for a hot meal we play some cards and reflect on the day I'm still not feeling great But tonight feels different. I have the sneaky suspicion that this night isn't one to fear. As he flips over a card, Nidazhan says, You felt dizzy at the top of the pass today, didn't you? I think you did. No, I say. Genuinely no. I felt exhausted, but not dizzy. Hmm. That's surprising. Because your O2 level actually dropped into the 60s when I tested you. Well, I think if you can make it up there, then I think you will be making it to base camp no problem. Even though this was something I firmly believed now myself, hearing it from him was a great feeling. And what was an even better feeling? Sleep. For the first time in days, I actually woke up in the morning feeling fresh and alive. I am a different person. I am reborn. I virtually skip across the frozen ground to the lodge and when I walk into the room, I guess my smile gave away my secret. And it looks like the sight of me bright and happy has made Nidijan's day too. And the timing couldn't be any better. With the last push for Everest Base Camp tomorrow. I order breakfast and coffee. And for the first time in days, I enjoy my meal. No, I love it. The best breakfast I've ever eaten. Walking back out into the morning sun, I stop look around and take a deep breath of that cold mountain air I'm back baby
2: good morning from Zhongla for the first time in a few nights managed to actually get what I'd call a real night's sleep and I tell you it makes all the difference uh Had a sort of moderate level of altitude sickness, not too bad, but just enough to give you a horrible night's sleep for the last few days, so got to feel a million bucks today. Uh, But yesterday, we did the Chola Pass, which was quite something, I've got to say. Um, She was about six and a half hours, pretty much fully uphill the whole day, and it involved actually going, as the name suggests, up a pass and when you say a pass I would more say a cliff Um, when we got to the the top of what sort of the first section and we could see it our guide pointed towards it and I was like no we can't be going up that he's like yeah because from a distance it honestly looked like a sheer cliff Uh, but sure enough that was where we were supposed to go and as we sort of trekked our way through some Massive gravel mountains, and we got to it. There was actually a path there, and sure enough, the superhuman porters would make their way through and um yeah, we proceeded up that, which was quite something. It was roped off with um some steel rope to sort of help you way up there but if if you were to slip and fall, the result would be nothing good uh, but yeah, then over the top and then down a glacier. Jongla where we stayed last night. Um, Probably one of the most jaw-dropping views from any accommodation you're going to find in the world. Um, The mountain that sits next to it, overlooking, is just staggering. It really is. Waking up in the morning and looking out and seeing sort of yaks just casually grazing silhouetted against the sun rising in the mountains is it's pretty special Uh, but yeah we've hit the track now and today we head to Lombuche which will be our last stop before we make our final push on to Everest Base Camp tomorrow in Kalapatar, where we'll also get a an awesome sunset view of Mount Everest and apparently is the best view you can you can actually
1: get Listening back to this audio, I was seriously playing down how I'd been feeling. You may have noticed, but the last couple episodes have been relatively void of any on-location commentary. This was purely due to the fact I felt so terrible, I honestly just didn't even think about it for two days. But I did continue to capture amazing video something slightly less taxing than stringing a sentence together. So it's on day 10 that I finally pick up the recorder and come back to life. Welcome back, Ryan.
2: So we've made our way around following a ridge past Jolatsi Lake, which has basically been formed as a glacier has receded. As we've come around the bend... We can now see Lomache down, way down in a valley. It's flanked by hills on each side and a river running past it. And we just passed a group of people going the other way who said it was so cold last night that even their toothpaste froze. So we're expecting it to be very cold there tonight. But yes, yeah, so we can see a trail running down through a valley and then right along down there, which will be our last stop before we push on for Everest tomorrow.
1: I got slightly confused here. It wasn't Lobuche I was seeing, but in fact a different village far off in the distance. But the view of Armadablam is quite something to behold. As I mentioned here, it's believed that the Paramount logo is based off this very mountain.
2: Oh yeah? Good? Hey I see a New Zealand beanie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I haven't met you before. Have
3: so, we? the QE from the yeah, first one. In New Zealand. Not oh really? Yeah.
2: Oh, all that yeah. time ago.
3: We <laughs> were watching uh, Pakistan against Australia.
2: Oh. <laughs> oh, we don't talk about the cricket anymore. It <laughs> 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 was that good. It's that, that, done now. <laughs> it's over now. It's yeah. over now. <laughs> and it no longer matters. Yeah.
0: yeah. No, but it's really good up there. Yeah. If you get a chance, do sunset at Kalafatar. Yeah, we Here we trying. are. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing.
2: It's yeah. cold. You
0: have, you have done that? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. No, no clouds. Sorry. No clouds. Oh. Oh. Everest turned red.
2: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah.
0: Freezing cold, but <laughs> so gorgeous. So gorgeous. Yeah.
2: Where have you guys just come from?
0: Uh, uh, Loughboucher. Loughboucher.
2: Oh, apparently it was really cold last night. Yeah. Yes. It really was. <laughs> <laughs> it was freezing. Everything,
0: all of like inside the room, all of our
3: water just
2: froze. Yeah. My water was frozen last night, but I heard that even <coughs> toothpaste froze. <laughs> oh.
3: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yep.
2: Yeah. Oh well. Have fun. Yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy. See
3: ya.
2: Why do we have to be reminded about the cricket?
1: <laughs> we come by a few small groups. And as it seemed along the trek, the general level of excitement and happiness just increases the closer we get to Everest. One thing that's noticeable is that virtually every group we meet is not complete. Most have lost multiple members due to the cold, the difficulty, and altitude sickness, who have had to be evacuated via helicopter or simply turned back. Sometimes, even if you do everything right, it can be just too much. And I'm not going to pull any punches here. It's hard. I would consider myself pretty fit. I can run five kilometers in under 20 minutes on a good day and my VO2 max is over 50. And this was still the hardest thing I've ever done by far. If you're planning this trip, underestimate it at your peril. The trail at this point gently rolls around the edge of the valley as it winds towards Loboche. I can't believe how fresh and great I feel. You can probably hear it in my voice. The Gokyo re-trek we've been on will, upon our arrival in Lobuche, be joining back up with the traditional and far busier Everest Base Camp Trail. As we swing around the corner, the excitement is growing. We're now in the Khumbu Valley, which leads steadily all the way to Everest now with every step it feels we're really getting closer there
2: might be no cars up this way one thing there certainly is there's a lot of helicopters it's basically the helicopter highway as people are getting ferried to and from base camp you can hear one in the background now we've just had a couple come past us at a low altitude these guys are good pilots um we've just come off the Gokyo-ri path and basically intersected with the sort of traditional Everest base camp path and now we're on the real Everest highway and you can already sense a different type of person that's on the EBC track as opposed to the more difficult and longer Gokyo-ri track that we've been on um, But yeah, there's helicopters just non-stop right up this valley. And I mean, i got to say, I'm always a sucker for helicopters. I can't help but pause and sort of admire the skill and the engineering of a helicopter racing by at low speed then swooping over a hill or over a cliff. You know, I've already seen some pretty crazy stuff. These guys are Flying these things at extreme altitudes, pretty extreme conditions, with ease, landing in things that (laughs) we wouldn't consider landing pads back home. (sighs) Very cool.
3: Okay, just, uh, what's the time, it's about, it's exactly four o'clock in the afternoon. We're in Lumbuche, which is pretty much the second last stop before Everest Base Camp. So our plan is to stay here the night. It's actually quite a nice little settlement, quite built up compared to many of the others. I mean, there's probably, probably 10 buildings here as opposed to the normal sort of three or four Um Yes, so the plan is tomorrow we get up nice and early and we make our way to Gorup Shep, which is about an hour and a half to two hours in the direction of Everest. When we reach there, we drop our bags because we're going to be staying there the night and then we push straight on to base camp and once we reach base camp... You know, we check that out and take our photos and so on and just experience what it's like. Then we make our way back to Gorak Shep. Um, then we relax for a couple hours and then we take the more strenuous hike up to Kalibatar. And not everyone does this, but they should. And we're going to watch a sunset view of Everest. So the view from there is the best view you can get of Mount Everest. From base camp, you basically can't really see Mount Everest. You know, it's just the location that the expeditions are launched from, just around, just, you know, at the base, obviously, but just the way it's positioned, you can't really see base camp. Um, But yeah, Kalapatar is perfectly lined up and fingers crossed, if we get a good sunset with no clouds, apparently Everest just glows red. Uh, so we're just praying to the weather gods that we are fortunate enough to get that. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, we're on our 10th day of the, of the trek now. And this is what, you know, this is kind of the goal of what it was is to get to Mount Everest. And it's kind of crazy to think tomorrow's that day. We, we cross that off and then, um, We stay in group ship the night, and then um, it's straight downhill. And I think, you know, we make the final trek out in three or four days, I think, yeah, maybe four days. So it's taken us, it'll take us 11 days to get up here and four days to get down, which is mainly because of the altitude. Um, You can't go more than, you know, five or six hundred meters in a day. Even that's risky. So you can only go so far every day, and that's why it takes so long. You know, And it is very challenging. My legs are screaming at me every time we go uphill now. And, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty fit person. Um, I would say I, I definitely packed some more than I needed. If I came again, I reckon I could cut five kilos out of my bag. But, you know, it's a different thing than the type of hiking or tramping we call it in New Zealand that I've done before but yeah so um I'm super excited for tomorrow I feel great you know I've got over my altitude sickness you know and to be fair it got pretty hairy there for a moment but you know I just hang in hung in there yeah so dinner tonight a nice early start and then off to Mount Everest you heard that correctly Mount Everest yeah, so I'm actually, I've just sort of jumped into into bed now. and packed up a, my stuff a bit for tomorrow, get a bit organised, but I'm just going to sort of lie down and rest my eyes for an hour before, um, before dinner and then I imagine we'll play some more cards, which we've played plenty of, and then hit the sack for an early night and an early start. So I will
1: see you tomorrow. Yes, you did hear that correctly Mount Everest What a journey it's been to get here And tomorrow, a lifelong dream will be fulfilled Not just for me, but for everyone that's made it this far There's a general buzz of excitement in the dining room Some faces becoming quite familiar after 10 days trekking the same route But behind all the smiles, the eyes tell a different story. It's been the challenge of a lifetime for everyone to get this far. We play some more cards before I pull out my book and lean against the wall. I enjoy sitting quietly, watching people's faces, and trying to imagine who they are and where they've come from. But who you are at home... None of that matters up here, and I love that. Often it's the quiet, unassuming member of the group who rises the strongest, outpacing the rest, earning the quiet admiration of their peers. Bravado will get you nowhere in this place. Looking back down at the final page of my book, the last words bring a tear to my eye. I close it, and drift off to sleep. Journey is a Brevity Studios production, written, produced, and narrated by me, Ryan Wolfe. You'll find posts with photos and videos dedicated to this podcast on my Instagram, Ryan Wolf NZ, and on our Facebook page Brevity Studios NZ. You can support my guide Nitishan with a follow on his Instagram, where he puts up amazing daily photos of his current treks. You'll find his Instagram and further details about this trek in the description of every episode. For ad-free listening, bonus episodes, and early release, you can subscribe to our Brevity Plus channel on Apple Plus. Or you can subscribe to Journey with a one off payment on ACAS Plus. You'll find the details in the show notes of this episode. On the next and final episode of season one of Journey. It's quarter past seven on the
2: 11th day of our trek, and today is finally the day. We're on our way to Everest Base Camp. Okay, so I've just arrived in Gorup and it's just, you can feel sort of the anticipation, there's just helicopters non-stop, which just adds to the level of excitement.